0: Magpies Unrestricted, where well, we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me today is Carita Selvay. Hello. And the cycle is broken, listeners. Newcastle Wolves playing out a match, a game of football that did not end 1-1. And most importantly, Newcastle ending up with a 2-1 win. We thought for a bit that I it was f- going to be the customary a, 1-1. For a
1: bit, it was a long time. It felt, it felt like a very <laughs> long time that we thought this was going to be another 1-1. But... It, it was good. Um, obviously, Keane and Trippier having another outstanding performance, and I'm sure we'll get onto his his absolute roles there as well. Um, a little bit of good fortune, fortune as well, actually going Newcastle's way. Um, and some yes. excellent substitutions on both sides. So, um,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose in t- well, that's yeah. I suppose we'll deal with the good fortune first. Absolutely getting away with it <laughs> with the. The, the whole Nick Pope uh, fiasco. He's, he's weird. He's been he's been so solid all season, and then between that and sort of the Liverpool game in February, it's you know he's been a little unsteady recently. It, you know he miscontrolled that back pass and then kind of bundling over Raúl Jiménez in the area. Now I think Jiménez really made the most of it, but at the same time,
1: it was. I dangerous. think we were quite
0: fortunate not to a give away a penalty and b have Pope it, sent off.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I don't I feel like the replay didn't go in close enough or slow enough for us to really see it at one angle it seemed like he definitely made contact on another angle it it seemed like you know him and his maybe just jumped over it a little bit um but i think it was very unusual that the, the the ref didn't get called over to um to actually go and have a look at it himself and obviously var went along with um the refs on the pitch decision which is It's fine. I also think it kind of screams a little bit of how much goalkeepers can kind of get away with in the game again. Um, Because if that was another defensive player making that tackle, you can guarantee that it would have either been immediately given as a penalty or there would have been a serious discussion about it. Mm. Um, But yeah, so, you know, number one, good fortune there.
0: (laughs) But to go back to the rest of the match action in terms of, um, you know, how Newcastle played... I thought for most of the game, we played really quite well. Um, obviously, it was great to get on the score sheet again with 2 not one but two goals after obviously having scored three in our previous eights. In fact, um, the our opening goal, uh, scored by Alexander Izak, that ended a 341-minute goal drought. And again, just to, to go on to Izak, opening the scoring in what I thought was a pretty excellent first half for Newcastle with that great header from uh, Kieran Trippier's cross and also just as we've spoken about a couple of times recently a really good performance from Isaac as well but in this in this case Cats with a goal as well which I think was really important for him.
1: Yeah he seems to be getting more and more time on the pitch which is obviously then allowing him to have more and more chances and hopefully we can see that this is something that he's going to bring to the table a lot more obviously wilson's kind of being phased in back in from a i would assume an injury if not it seems like maybe isaac is being phased in in um in in a phase move to to get him as i have said, phased a lot (laughs) um maybe bringing him in a little bit more so he can actually have a little bit more first team experience but however it's worth it's um you know, it's been it's been good, positive play by Newcastle recently. And obviously, we then had a close one from Bruno as well. Just couldn't quite make it to 2-0. I really felt that it needed to be 2-0 by, by half-time.
0: Yeah, that was the one frustrating thing going in at half-time. Because I thought we would played really well. And given the chances that we'd had uh, to not have got that second goal... Um, well, certainly we'll get to it in a moment. But when Wolves scored... Thought, well, yeah, once again, us not taking our chances proving costly. Thankfully, in the end, it didn't. Um, At
1: least this time, Newcastle weren't fighting to come back. They had managed to capitalise on some of their possession in the early half. But yeah, no, it, it was close. And, and
0: and yeah, and then when uh, it was about 20 minutes to go, when Huang uh, Chan equalised four Wolves again, as we were both like, yep, there's it, there you go, there's your one all. Um, and obviously, the good fortune that we had in the first half was you know somewhat balanced out I would say by their goal with, with Trippier slipping when he was trying to clear it uh, not only that but then in doing so literally giving the ball straight to Chan sort of you know 12 yards out or whatever with this, the simplest tapping that you could imagine open open goal
1: we've seen them miss though
0: we have seen <laughs> <Yeah>. them miss <laughs> um, you know which um, I thought obviously was, was quite unfortunate so I'm not saying it's 100% balanced out, but it does somewhat balance out uh, the good fortune. But again, yeah, we thought then, all right, there's your one-all. Um, you know, it was quite annoying and frustrating. And then, as you mentioned before, good substitutes. Um, Eddie Howe brought Cal Wilson and, more importantly, Miggy Almiron on. <laughs> and Almiron getting the goal, celebrating his new contract uh, with another goal.
1: Also, the positive luck, because it was a massive deflection.
0: Actually, yes, we all no. had a bit, of, <laughs> uh, a bit of luck with that one. Again... Having had a couple of deflections go against us recently in the United game and in the um, uh, the City game, you know, I, th- I think I think we kind of deserved.
1: But if you're not playing well, you're not getting those opportunities, yeah. and it, it, it will just, you know, what will be will be at the end of the day. And they say if you're not shooting on goal or anywhere near the area, you are never going to get good or bad luck because it's just not going to be there.
0: <laughs> exactly, and in fact, actually, just a, a shout out to uh, the excellent football writer Daniel Story who pointing out on Twitter that actually Sunday's game was the first time in any competition since April 2021 uh, that Newcastle had actually won a match after conceding an equaliser so the fact that we were able to then get our noses in front um, a second time after being pegged back as that shows it's something that we've really not done recently at all I mean that's in effectively a near enough a two year period Mm. Um, where the second someone gets a an equalizer on as well, we're either going to draw or we're going to lose it. So that was big as well, I think, for the team. And obviously, just to get back to winning ways again, only our second win since Boxing Day in the Premier League yeah. um, is massive. And obviously, does our top four chances um, a world of good as well. Again, yeah.
1: two two games in hand against Tottenham.
0: Yeah, so we're four points behind them. But as you say, yeah, two games in hand. So. Again, obviously, if we don't capitalise on this and, and start building some form back, then obviously it's it's kind of irrelevant. But um, just, yeah, that state of play there, you know, again, I'm not... I can't see us catching Man United, but they're five points in front, but we we have a game in hand over them. And obviously Liverpool, who lost, because they've been creeping up, and they're two points behind us, but again, we have a game in hand over them. So if we were to win that game in hand, then we could make that five-point cap on Liverpool. So...
1: Yeah, Liverpool falling apart at the moment. Interesting. I mean, not anything that we've got to talk about, but, you know, we'll talk about it in private and maybe have a little giggle every (laughs) now and then. But, yeah.
0: But, yeah, so, you know, um, a really, really important result for us. Obviously, it would have been amazing to get a clean sheet as well, because, um, I mean, it's weird, because obviously you look at the table and we've still got the best uh, defensive record in the league. But at the same time, you know, that... uh, as we've kind of spoken about recently a few times, you kind of feel that sort of um, sort of air of like invulnerability almost at the back is is gone now.
1: Yeah, but I don't. I mean, to be fair, I don't feel that Pope played a good enough game for that to have been, uh, you know, a clean sheet. So, if oh, you no, get, if you're I, I it no, I, I that, fully. I don't said, think you deserve that. But
0: no, I'm, I'm not saying we deserved one. I'm just saying that would have been like the icing on the cake. That would always with be. The, win.
1: That would be the, always the case, though, wouldn't have it would always be the icing <laughs> and the candles and the glitter. And I think those, it, it, those it just, little edible metallic balls.
0: <laughs> I think that's just like if we we just we need to. I think try and obviously the first and foremost we needed to get back to winning ways, and obviously done. <laughs> if we win our next game, which we'll preview in a bit, if we win that again two one, I'm not gonna really complain at all because again we need to win it. But it would be nice to get a win and a clean sheet together um, to really kind of marry them back up again um, in terms of our, just, you know, for, for our overall, like, confidence at the back and throughout the team going forward. But, you yeah, know, a re- really good result for us.
1: Could you have imagined yourself saying that last year? I feel that <laughs> you're talking about Newcastle's sense of invulnerability. I think you've got your rosy-tinted glasses on us forgetting what Newcastle were like. I think... Stop trying to get your perfection that Newcastle had at the beginning of the season, and let's just let's just take the wins. Yeah, no matter how they come, no matter how scrappy, get the points, and then when that is set in some form of routine, then we'll maybe worry about those clean sheets.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Like, Don't be a perfectionist
1: because <laughs> you're only going to get yourself upset. <laughs> no, I, we, we can't.
0: We can't let perfect be the enemy of good. Um, so yeah, no, you, you make a fair point. <laughs> I make <it> the point. <laughs> But yeah, um, in the meantime, uh, did anything happen with the BBC over the weekend? I think it was quite a quiet one for them. I think they shit out a little to, bit. certainly a quiet match of the day <laughs> on uh, on Saturday. Uh, we, yeah, we just thought we had to touch on this, listeners. I mean, even though it's only tangentially related to Newcastle at best by Alan Shearer being one of the pundits, uh, who of course joined Ian Wright, uh, the commentators and, and lots of other BBC sports staff in not taking part in match of the day. Uh, you know, uh, Football Focus, um, Final Score, etc. over the weekend uh, after Gary Lineker was taken off the air uh, by the BBC on Friday for his uh, tweets uh, in relation to uh, the government's uh, proposed new uh, policy about quote unquote stopping the boats. It, what a farce, just like ignoring all the political aspects of it, although, spoiler alert, Gary, Gary Lineker was right. Um,
1: but he's also... He's, he expressed it on his own private platform. Yeah. He is a freelance football journalist. They have no right to control what he says. And he also didn't go out and directly compare them to... Yeah. Let's just say it. He didn't directly compare them to the Nazis. He said it sounded like, and the wording of it was like... Now, yeah, that blatantly implies the fact that the government has gone crazy and you know, we should probably call them out on this. Um, But if you want to play by the letter of the law, the way he worded that was actually quite clever.
0: Well, yeah, in in his exact words, it is is not dissimilar. Yeah. And again, when you've got the Home Secretary describing (sighs) uh, migrants and asylum seekers um, arriving as an invasion, something that she then refused to back down, even when literally asked to directly in person by a Holocaust survivor... You know, parallels can be drawn there, and I mean, you and I know this more than anyone as history as people who were originally history students back in the day. (laughs) That the 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 famous adage of you know those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. We do need to be conscious and careful of these things. I'm not saying we can just throw around parallels and and um, comparisons all willy nilly, but when there is a genuine basis for it. Like, like there is and, in, in this situation. Yeah. I think it is fair enough and it's not crossing a line in my opinion to to make that where where it was.
1: But, but say so not only that the way it was worded the way it was written was not um a combative way. No, he didn't write
0: it, it in inflammatory it, way. It
1: was not aggressive and what it was doing is literally asking the government to just take a step back for a minute and look what you're doing and the fact that someone like Gary Lineker effectively a sports personality is the one that has to say this or is the only one to have said this out on a public format who is not a news reporter etc etc obviously I'm sure lots of people on the internet have said stuff like this but because obviously his platform is so much bigger mm. than the average person or even a cel- many celebrities um his is going to be p- picked up on the most but I did not hear of any other celebrities or newsreaders or politicians who had said something similar on their platform. So the fact that this is having to be called up and and it did promote the discussion, it's not gone anywhere because obviously our government seems to refuse to listen to the people it's here to govern. Um, and as we've blatantly seen multiple times in the news from their WhatsApp messages, etc., 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 don't care about the people who have asked them to govern. And I think we as a people need to wake up and. I'm just going to go back to France. I don't know. We all have a joke about the French, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, their civil servants had a massive strike because they tried. The government tried to raise uh, raise the retirement age to sixty five. Now, can you imagine being able to retire at sixty five? Any millennials? No.
0: Yeah. No. Meanwhile, <laughs> we have the who are making it um, effective, effectively making it illegal to protest, let alone. I mean, I'm not saying people's it, but like, you know what I mean? Just even peaceful protests, they're effectively cracking down on.
1: Yeah, we are very, very close um, to becoming an Orwellian state. And, and um, yeah. I think people need to wake up and actually go, do you know what? Just because someone says they're not going to do it doesn't mean that it won't happen. These things are in place to stop the worst case scenario and they are being removed. So just because I say I'm not going to swear today doesn't mean I'm not going <laughs> to swear today. Oh, I promise you. And then if I do swear, I'll be like, oh, no, my bad. I didn't mean it. It was an extenuating circumstance because you were being an idiot, etc., etc. It's not good enough, and you've got to hold people to account. And that's why these rules are in place, which are now coming back out as um, you're not allowed to say this, you're not allowed to do that. Actually, what he said, what happened, it was well within his right to say that, and it was well within his rights to um, to basically disagree with what the government says. Everybody is. That's the point of a, of a democracy, to disagree, have a discussion, learn, move on, do what's best for the
0: people. But also, in terms of the issue of the BBC's impartiality, <laughs> um, it, yeah, I found it very, very funny. I, I, I have to say, I really cracked a wry smile when I read this. Uh, I think it was on Thursday, there was an article on the BBC, I think from the Culture Editor, um, explaining why Gary Winnicka's views were a problem for the BBC. And in doing so, she was trying to explain, effectively, what the impartiality means. Uh, and the, I, I found the example she used to be quite ironic, in that she said, um, effectively, you know, if you've got one person saying the earth is round and another one saying the earth is flat, you don't have to give time to the latter person you know, you don't have to give that air. You don't have to give them equal weighting. You know, fifty-fifty, both sides. It like here's it's as if it's a, a legitimate debate, which in theory is what the BBC's impartiality is supposed to be. Personally, I think they've been doing exactly that with a number of issues over the years. in the last sort of ten, ten, twelve years. You look at things like Brexit, basically any sort of right-wing nonsense that is happening at the moment they will very, very much both sides it, even when there is literally no credible basis to, and again, sorry to make it political, but essentially the right-wing view on the subject, whether it's on Brexit and its supposed benefits whether it's on climate change whether it's on any number of these issues they have been effectively doing exactly that um, I think
1: the main issue is <laughs> that they allow platforms for these people who have baseless views but then do not challenge said baseless views they do not go okay so where is the proof of this and then when they say well here's the proof and be like so why has that person said this there is no challenging of facts and I understand that a news news you know room is a place to just give the news but in these extreme situations where they get the extremists from both sides a lot of the time um i think you know being able to challenge and have that discussion is a very important part of the news and i think a lot of people in the modern age as well just take what is said as fact and accept it and obviously a place like a newsroom like the BBC obviously has some form of standing and apparently respectability which I have lost for them (laughs) over the past five, six years as they've rapidly become more and more Tory donor they've lost that impartiality and they do not allow any form of discussion other than shouting at someone about how oh there's such and such an issue with the Labour Party but then when anything gets brought up about the Conservative Party it's like yeah well that's rude it's like, that's not a discussion. It needs to be a discussion. And I'm not saying, hold up one party compared to the other. I'm saying, if there's an issue, talk about it. And then if there is a comparison on another party, don't dismiss it because that's the party that pays you.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, just to point it out in in, in pretty, you know, um, what was quite pointed, I thought, was like on, on Thursday night, so literally the same day that a lot of this stuff was happening and then obviously it was actually taken off air on the Friday but you know it had been rumbling on for a couple of days at this point on Thursday night Fiona Bruce on um, question time sorry um, describing Stanley Johnson's uh, alleged domestic abuse of his wife uh, apparently he broke her nose and sentenced to the hospital and she's there stepping in saying that it's a one-off you know um all, could you, all this sort could of you stuff. you
1: imagine that if like, Keir Starmer like, even breathed wrongly near someone, it would be all over the news? I mean, yeah. Ed Miliband didn't to bacon sandwich, 100%. Oh, no, yeah, it was a one time thing he ate that sandwich in a very aggressive <laughs> and it was admittedly strange manner. However, we just Boris Johnson is a fucking Prime Minister. Come on, how stupid can he get it?
0: <laughs> um, anyway, I mean, look, the, follow, the announcement on Monday is that he's he's back they've reached an agreement and by which by which i mean i think he's basically said no i'm not going to change no i'm not going to get rid of it and the bbc have gone okay Mm -hmm. which i'll I'll be honest is the best that they could have done in that situation really because i
1: think good on him for studying his ground because if that's what somebody believes in and you've said it in a very open and non-confrontational manner in a way that would promote a discussion not just saying, "Oh, such and such is an idiot because they've done this." It was a it was a very nuanced tweet, to be fair, yeah. for for a tweet. We've, we all know who we're talking about. Um, that what right did they have to deny him of his freedom of speech? Which is what certain yeah, they extremists were, they, always they shout were, about. They love
0: to bang on about freedom of speech <laughs> un- uh, until the very moment that it um, disagrees with them in any way, shape, or form. But uh, but anyway, I think I think we've we've probably given enough time to that topic now, and you've heard plenty of it over the last few days, listeners. So anyway, but yeah, a bit, uh, a bit crazy. <laughs>
1: but anyway, talking about writers and news, the uh, Northeast Football Writers Association, so it is a very specific <laughs> football association, um, has named the twenty twenty two Player of the Year to be um, Bruno, which I actually think was uh,
0: a fair. Very fair appointment. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the impact Bruno has had since he arrived in January last year has been has been nothing short of phenomenal. He he is such a top talent. Um, I do think it's. I mean, it's up there. It's it's him or Kieran Trippier really. If, if you're going to pick out a a best player in that squad,
1: I think Trippier does a lot of the work that goes unnoticed, and I, I do feel maybe that does him in bad stead. Personally, I think Trippier has had just as much, if not more, of an oh, impact. They,
0: they really, they both have. They absolutely yeah. both have. And again, I think if they've given it to Kieran Trippier, I think no one would have raised an eyebrow. But um, but yeah, just to shout out Bruno, and there's talk of a new contract being in the works. Oh I yeah, hope, he's been excellent. Hopefully that's something that we do see soon, getting tied down because... And again, obviously one of the differences between him and Trippier is is obviously a bit older people aren't necessarily as good, as good as he is. Clubs aren't necessarily going to be, you know, lining up to to knock on the door um, to get him to sign just because of his age. You know, he's now on the wrong side of 30 all the rest of it, even though he's still absolutely phenomenal. Whereas Bruno, you know, in his mid-20s are still really, in some ways you might say, yet to even really hit his peak. Um, and yes, such a talent. He, 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 the impact he has when he plays and then the way his is felt when he's not on the pitch for us yeah I think um, yeah. at both ends he just he works so hard you know gi- giving us the but especially going forward that creative and attacking impetus um,
1: I think something that we've seen as well from, from obviously many Newcastle players because of the city that Newcastle is very very football focused um, he clearly cares as well and that's that's something that's a real bonus to his character and obviously stood him in extremely good stead with the fans and he's become an integral part Mm. of the Magpies in a very short space of time to be honest. Um, The bad news is another new signing that um, Newcastle have made Anthony Gordon has unfortunately got an injury from the City game which means he'll be out for the rest of March not even sure if he'll be back at the beginning of April.
0: Yeah it's touch and go whether he's going to be back for that Man United game I mean of course because of the international break, saying, oh, he'll be out for the rest of March. He'll he'll only have missed the two games. Obviously, he missed the Wolves game. He'll miss Friday's game against Forest. And then the next one after that is the one in April against Man United. But yeah, it's going to be touch and go uh, with him for that. Likewise, Jolenton, we didn't mention in last week's pod, of course, he picked up his 10th booking of the season against Man City, which earned him a two-game ban. Of course, he served the first of those against Wolves. He's gonna serve the second against Forest. So again, we're without him now until that Man United game. Again, thankfully, we were able to win in his uh, in his his absence against Wolves. Hopefully we can do the same against Forest again, yeah, on Friday night. And yeah. Forest on Friday night, away trip. It's gonna be an interesting one. On the one hand, obviously, Forrest, you know, are battling relegation they're down the wrong end of the table you would hope therefore that's a really good opportunity for us and it, you know well, hopefully it is a good chance for us to get another win before obviously that tough game after the international break against Man United I mean fingers crossed <laughs> we can maybe get a bit of cup final revenge um, you know in that one but likewise Forest they're going to be fighting tooth and nail
1: oh definitely they always do um, but I suppose that's more against other Midland teams but uh- but the, yeah, struggling for goals. Only had twenty one. Um, only Bournemouth have conceded more with forty seven.
0: So. And they're they're winless in five as well. Um, you know they've 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 lost three of those five, drawn the other two. So they're not you know in the best of form. Um, I think
1: they're they're a scrappy team they've always been a scrappy team and anything can happen I think this is this is what makes them so dangerous to like the established teams because they are a bit here there and everywhere and you know quite rightly no offence to Forrest but they have the underdog syndrome as well so the bigger the team the more likely they are to really throw themselves at it so you know Newcastle are a big team always have been obviously more so now and they actually do something with that Um,
0: but yeah, and I mean, it, you know, it when, be difficult. when you think about how many players they've had brought in, you know, last summer, again in January, you know, you have to say, Steve Cooper, he's not doing a bad job there because it's, it's not an easy situation that he's managing. And they are 14th, but at, well, at the time of recording, they're 14th, only two points above the, of the relegation zone, though. So, like I say, they're going to be fighting, you know, they're at home. It's a Friday night. And they're going to be, you would think, really up for it, really going for it. But it would be amazing for us if we can sign off before the international break uh, with another win you know back to back victory six points would be would be pretty huge for us and uh, our chances you know to then kind of regroup over the international break to then go for that kind of final push for the last couple months of the season um, because they're going to be pretty crucial in terms of you know whether we get European football and, and all that kind of stuff um, so yeah it's it's going to be an interesting one um, just yeah gotta just keep our fingers crossed that um, we're able to build on you know on the win from this weekend again that, that's gotta be a, a good confidence boost exact's playing really well nice for Almiron to um, contribute meaningfully as well and yeah we'll just have to see um, what we can put together next Friday yep and we will of course be back after that to review it and uh look ahead to the sort of final, I'd say the, the, the running final part of the season. In the meantime, guys, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and a positive review, that'd be uh, really, really helpful. And we've been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problem. And thank you, listeners. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.